Welcome to the Philly Special Podcast. I'm Colin Rudisell here with Kelson Hazelwood. As always, we're talking all things Philadelphia Eagles football. Coming off a tough loss here to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, this game, pretty disappointing, all things considered. 38-20 to 20 final score if you didn't happen to catch it. Some good news with the Dallas Cowboys, a lot of bad news with us. Um, a lot of mixed emotions, I would say, going on all the way through, and we're going to dive into it right now. Uh, let's just take it here uh, quarter by quarter, Kelson. Obviously, you know, we got outscored 10 to nothing in the first. Uh, what do you what do you think about it? Uh, the first quarter in particular? Sure. Uh, I mean, nothing much to report there. You saw the defense struggle early. Um, once again, the offense struggled to put up any points in the first quarter. A reoccurring theme uh, so far this season. It's pretty frustrating. Yeah, extremely. And, you know, uh, I think the biggest thing that has to stick out to me in the first quarter is that uh, long touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs given up by Razul Douglas. Um, really, it, it hurts on so many different levels because it's deflating, obviously, when you give up a 60-yard touchdown. It's reassuring for the team that just scored the 60-yard touchdown. And even deeper than that, I mean, Douglas gets burnt by six yards and he doesn't even hustle to go after the guy. And just to make matters even worse, they come back the very next drive and almost do the same exact thing and score another touchdown on Zell Douglas. So I, I don't know what you do about it. You know, I mean, do you take the guy out at that point? But it's not like we have anybody that can replace him. So, yeah, I think that's the problem. It's we're down to the, the bottom of the barrel here. And that that initial first long touchdown, I think, really set the precedent for the rest of this game. Yeah, I think once you get <laughs> down 24 to three in any situation, it's it's tough to come back. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we're talking about seven minutes left in the second quarter. We're looking at 24-3. to three. I mean, this thing's looking like a route right away. And luckily, you know, the offense started to step up. Uh, I think Miles Sanders overall had a pretty good game. Uh, looking like our best receiver so far without Deshaun Jackson in the lineup. The yeah, guy's been not consistently a, Not a red catching. flag at all, is it? Uh, maybe a little <laughs> bit, but I'll take what I can get, especially from a rookie like him. I think, I think he's got a lot of upside here. Um, but... Just, uh, just, yeah, like I said, hard to get back when you're down 24 to three and we almost did it. Um, what we ended up closing it to 24 to 20. Right. And then, you know, second half starts where we're getting even closer and they just started to run away with it near the end with some airs, uh, that we're going to dive into. Um, for me, Kelson, this comes down to four plays overall. And okay. we can go through them if you want, we can just talk each one. Uh, let's start with the fake field goal right before halftime. Yeah, horrible. It's yeah, horrible. we're looking we're looking at twenty four to ten on the scoreboard. Uh, we're inside of a minute left. Uh, they're sitting here now with a fourth and four and a thirty nine yard field goal attempt. See, my problem with this initially is not it's not the fact that they decided to go for it. It's the method in which they do so. Like, just keep the offense out there. Um, I'm Doug Peterson is known for you know, these ballsy fourth down, let's go for it type of type of moves. And I don't know, we've been pretty good at converting these so far this season. I don't, I don't know why we go out here and try to do some trickery with Jake Elliott with one, one option to throw to he, that play was broken from the beginning. Yeah. And you know, you're not going to get it after that one guy gets covered. I mean, no, he was swarmed. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we were talking a little bit about it before we started recording that, it's one of those plays that if we do it and it works, we're looking at Doug and saying, wow, this guy's ballsy and he's a hero for calling it. 
and you know and now we're looking at 17 to 24 at halftime and getting the ball back as opposed to 24 to 10. Um, I think Doug didn't want to be down by more than 10 points. And, and I get that, but I don't know. At some point, you got to take your foot off the gas just a little bit. Or oh, right. I, it's not, I agree. It's once again, I don't really have the problem with us going for it. I just, I'd rather see, you know, the offense out there, like, let's actually go for it. Yeah, and we've been successful with that before. Uh, mm-hmm. Just I can't remember. I know we missed on another fourth down. I think it was before that. So maybe he just didn't have the confidence in the offense to get it at that point, and he just wanted to try something else. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think if we're going to go for it on fourth down, let's put Carson Wentz out there. I'd rather have him throwing the ball than Jake Elliott. You know, yeah. even if that guy's wide open, who knows if Jake can even make that play. I don't know if that's something they've been working on. But, yeah, I, I trust, you know, the guy that almost won an MVP a couple years ago throwing the ball more than – a kicker. Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, play number two for me comes in the third quarter, and it was third down and three. Score was 24 to 17 at the 21 yard line. And we decide to throw a screen pass to Alshon Jeffrey, mm-hmm. which gets blown up. We have to settle for three. So instead of tying the ball game up at t- uh, 24, we're down 24 to 20. And here, here's what's wrong to me with this play a couple of things one they ran the same exact play same scenario third down and three threw it to jeffrey and it worked so i think in doug's head or the offense coordinator whoever it was they're thinking well it worked once before so let's run it again you can't think like that because that's how the vikings are thinking too you know what i'm saying like they know hey look it's the same exact formation they got bunch on the right side they got jeffrey in the same spot this might be a screen pass they already ran it once and that's exactly what we did, and it was predictable, and we ended up getting tackled, and it costed us seven points. Yeah, and another another point there is, if you're going to run a screen on third and three, Alshon Jeffrey just isn't the right type of guy. Like, you kind of need someone that's going to at least make someone miss. And Alshon isn't known for being, you know, super elusive like that. Like, I'd rather see, like, a Miles Sanders screen or just anything, almost anyone else. Yeah, and we saw Miles Sanders get screens, and it worked. And we saw Nelson Aguilar get screens, and it worked. And they made people miss on both of those plays in this very game. So I'm with you. I, I, it was a bad play call, in my opinion. And I, I, I wish we would have seen something different, and it cost us points. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Play number three, and this one irks me the most, probably, is um, we're down 31 to 20, 13-42 left in the game at the on the Viking side of the field, 43-yard line. Third down and four. Wentz is clapping. He's clapping. He's clapping, oh, trying to get the man. snap. And nobody snaps it. And yeah. delay a game penalty. It turns into third and nine. He's sacked immediately on the next play. It, it takes so much away going from a third and four to a third and nine. Yeah. You now can't. We're not going to run it, obviously. So that's out of the question. Um, the plays obviously are going to last longer, which is why they sent pressure. Because we can't just do a quick pass to the outside or anything like that. Uh, it was a big play and it was a penalty. It's self-inflicted, you know, and, um, I think we got sacked. We, we ended up having to punt, right? We weren't even close enough for a field goal. Oh no, not even close. Yeah. It was, it was pretty infuriating to, to see that happen. I think that better awareness needs to be had, um, by Jason Kelsey there. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about, and there's no guarantee we we're going to score a touchdown on that play, but no, or not on that play, but on that drive. But if we do and we get the two-point conversion, 
it's 31-28. We're only down by three points. Right. And there's plenty of time left in the game. Uh, so, yeah, that hurt. And uh, my final one I had on offense was the uh, fumble by Zach Ertz on the 28-yard line. We were knocking on the door again, fourth quarter, six minutes, 11 left. Uh, we were down by 18. Still a stretch to come back at that point, but, you know, fumbling the football there, that that pretty much did it. That was the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was necessary to put it on there. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with a guy like Ertz, you don't really see him bobble the ball like that that often. I think that was just another one of those moments where the frustration from the offense really boiled over. Um, the one play I don't think you mentioned that kind of I wish we could have back was uh, the pass play to Alshon on the right sideline where he ended up stepping out. But if he could have stayed in bounds, goes all the way down to score and put us right back in it. I, You could see him like he was shaking his head. He was upset about that one. And I think I was too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was um, the same drive where we ran that screen pass and it didn't work. Yep. So another opportunity where we could have tied the game up had he had stayed in bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, these were all offensive plays. Um, we're going to dive into the defense, Kelson, if you want to get started with that. Uh, <laughs> what what stood out the most for you Ooh. in this one? Well, nothing stood out in a positive light. <laughs> Absolutely um, not. It was pretty poor play from, I think, everyone. Um we got beat and we got beat early. The corners obviously is just the glaring problem with this team so far. Razul Douglas and Sidney Jones are playing just terrible football. Um, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier. It just looks like they're giving up out there. They look defeated from the beginning. They're not playing with confidence. It's They're not fun to watch and you don't trust them. Like. When you're watching these games, I honestly get nervous every time our defense comes on the field right now because big plays are going to happen. Yeah, and it's it's like the 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 big pimple on your forehead when you're going to the prom. Everybody <laughs> exactly. can see it. You know, yeah. everybody knows that that's where they're going to hurt you. And other than the Jets, every single team has hurt us in the past game. They've had over a hundred yards for their receiver. In this case, Stephon Diggs, 167 and three touchdowns. Just an absolutely huge day for the guy. On seven catches. That's on seven catches. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. So like that's a, a what, like a twenty-four yard average, just about somewhere in there. Yep. It's, it's it's ridiculous, and it it's like I said, glaringly obvious. Every team is going to try to take advantage of that because why wouldn't you? And I think the limelight here, maybe the saving grace is Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby are right around the corner from coming back. It's good. But what I'm scared of is, is it really going to solve the problem? I see. That's what I I worry about too. I don't, I it's, it'll be great to have our two technically like starting cornerbacks come back. But you look at Jalen Mills who hasn't played football in like almost over a year now. Well, I guess a little under a year. Um, So who knows what we're going to get from him. He really wasn't playing that well when he got hurt. Let's be honest. Everyone was kind of getting frustrated with him. And then we're looking at, um, you know, Ronald Darby, who I don't know. I think he wasn't really playing that well either when he got hurt. So yeah, and he's played this I, year. I mean, he's I been think a it'll part be of it. Improvement, but I I don't know if it's going to be the the answer. Yeah, I it, for me right now, anything to get Sidney Jones off the field. A, oh. I'm really tired of seeing that guy out there. And just a fun fact, I didn't know this until uh, they brought it up before we played the Vikings. We were targeting Dalvin Cook in that draft, and the Vikings traded up, I think, three picks ahead of us and picked him, 
and we got Sidney Jones in the second round. So we could have had Dalvin Cook, which, wow, who knows where we'd be with Dalvin Cook. Uh, but, yeah, I'm tired of seeing Sidney Jones out there. I think Razzle Douglas is a great three. It, it, in my opinion, I'm look, Razzle Douglas sucked today, straight up, or oh, Sunday. Yeah. He was terrible. But I think overall he's been the best cornerback this year, and that's not saying much. I'm saying he's like a C-plus quarterback at, cornerback at best. But that's okay to have when he's your third guy. And I think Jalen Mills has a high ceiling. I think Ronald Darby can play well. He's capable of playing well consistently. So hopefully having those two guys back in their roles and just being healthy all the way across the board at cornerback is at least going to keep us stable where we're not going to get, you know, these 62 yard touchdowns where the nearest guy's seven yards away. Uh, Just keep us stable. That's all I'm asking. You know, let's be a little bit more balanced on defense. Let's make them actually have to work for it because Kirk Cousins in my opinion, he's not that great of a quarterback. I mean, he's good, but he's not that great. He had 333 yards, four touchdowns, uh, 22 of 29. That's a really, really good day for Kirk Cousins. No, you're definitely right. And um, you look at Kirk Cousins, and he was, he's able to get out of the pocket and extend plays a lot, which that was something that like Green Bay did against us, did against us a lot with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, but you expect that from him. You don't expect that from Kirk Cousins. And it's it was just frustrating to see just no one could get to him and the plays were just all there. People were open downfield. It was just broken from the beginning. Yeah. We had a lot of chances too to, to get him back for a sack on the yeah. only, only one sack for us again uh, came from Brandon Graham, you know, probably the high point of our whole defense at this point. Uh, yeah. It seemed like there was a lot of times we had guys get in there. Uh, one that sticks out in my head the most, uh, Zach Brown had an opportunity to get a sack and he ended up, uh, he, meaning Kirk Cousins, ended up scrambling to the right side, went right around him, and uh, completed a pass down the field for first down. I mean, tackling in general was a problem in this game. You don't have to look any farther than that reverse play to Stephon Diggs where yes. Cousins pitched in the ball at least five yards behind the line of scrimmage, and it looked like schoolyard football. This guy's got, you know, he's holding the ball out with one arm like uh, LaShawn McCoy does, and, I mean, I saw Malcolm Jenkins miss. I saw Brandon Graham miss. I saw Fletcher Cox. Everybody missed him. And you yeah, have getting 10 yards. That play had no business going for 10 yards. That should have been a loss of eight or nine. At that point, you just kind of knew we were done. Yeah, it, it was it was a broken play, and it went for huge yardage. It was, it was just sickening. I mean, every time the defense was on the field, it seemed like the Vikings were going to put up points. We did have a nice stretch there in the middle of the game where, you know, penalties really helped us for a little bit. I think they were facing like a third and 30 at one point, but yeah, it just, it wasn't a pretty game on defense and hopefully getting these guys back, especially Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby is going to help that out a little bit. I wish this wasn't the problem we face every single year, but yeah, it's the glaring issue. It is, as I said, the pimple on the forehead. Everybody can see it. We can see it. We know we need to fix it. Um, So I'm curious to see what we do. And I know one thing we're not going to do is get Jalen Ramsey. No. who has just been <laughs> sure traded not. to the Rams. Uh, two first-round picks in next year's draft and the year after that, and a fourth-round pick is all it took for the Rams to get Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Kelson, what are your thoughts on that? It it surprised me. I I don't see any reason why we couldn't offer the same thing. Uh, I think we talked about this a bit last week, about what we would be willing to give up for Ramsey. And obviously, we're not making these decisions, but I just I see no situation where... Uh, the Eagles office isn't willing to give up exactly what the Rams gave up to bring Jalen Ramsey in, especially with the game we had on Sunday. Like, I don't, 
I don't know what more evidence you need that like we could have really used someone like that and giving up those those picks would have definitely been worth it for us. Yeah, it's it's always a risk to go after a cornerback like that. Um, you know, I think I mentioned this before in one of the podcasts about Namadi Asamoah us giving up a lot to get him and he ended up busting and falling on his face. But for that price, only two first-round picks mm-hmm. and a fourth-round pick, you're right. I don't know why we couldn't have brought him in. I mean, last week I was talking about getting rid of Zach Ertz right. and a first-round pick to get this guy. So I don't know if the Jaguars just didn't want to do business or we didn't ever send him that offer because I've heard from multiple sources that we were in talks for Jalen Ramsey. And I just find it hard to believe that we didn't offer something like that. Um yeah, I'm I'm a little perplexed by it, but you know, it's over now. I think pretty much our chances for trading for a cornerback is is starting to dwindle. I'm not saying we're not yeah. gonna do it, but the big one is off the board now. Yep. And then you're looking you're looking at guys now like Patrick Peterson and you have to wonder if it's even gonna be what we need. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes going forward. Yeah, I mean in my I think the best course of action at this point is let's let's see what Darby's got, let's see what Mills got, let's get healthy and see where we are at our best. Right. And um, you know, it might be a problem that we can't fix this year. It might be something that we have to go into off season and start looking for guys, maybe draft a guy, uh, and just try to rebuild that secondary. And at this point, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I think going into the season, we're all very, very high on the Eagles defense. And it's been it's been very lackluster so far. Yeah, lackluster is almost putting it mildly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's they're a sight for sore eyes, that's for sure. And, um, you know, with the games coming up, it, they need to do something. It's It's got to be a step up. You know, the Cowboys on offense are no walk in the park. The Bills have been playing really well. Obviously, Tom Brady and the Patriots are good every year on offense. They got Seattle. They got uh, Chicago's, you know, that's probably a gift. But when you look at the defense, not quite a gift for the offense. Um, yeah, I, it's it's going to be tough if, if they can't pull it together because there's good receivers across the board on these next few games. And um, if they're going to be able to throw it like, or excuse me, Kirk Cousins did today, or Sunday, rather, it's going to be a long, tough road for the Eagles on defense to not give up 38 points every game. So we brought up the schedule. I just want to look into that real quick because, obviously, this coming week against the Cowboys, it's going to be the biggest game of the year so far. Then we got to go at Buffalo after that. Uh, We get our bye week. Then it's the Bears, the Patriots, and the Seahawks at home. So I've talked about this last week, this little stretch, starting with Minnesota and ending with Seattle. You know, those are six really, really tough games on the schedule for Philadelphia. And I'm still sticking with it. I'm still sticking with it, Kelson. If we can get through with two wins in these next five games, we can finish the season 10 and 6, and we can still make the playoffs. I know it's going to look ugly if that's how it is. You know, so what would our record be at that point? Five and six? I mean, that's ugly, obviously. But you're talking about the Dolphins, the Giants, the Redskins, the Cowboys in Philadelphia, and the Giants again after that. Those are five games we should win. And we should be 10 and six. If we can win three out of the next five, then we're sitting at 11 and five. And we're talking about one of the best teams in football at that point. So just just bear with the Eagles here. No matter what happens, just bear with them. We got to win two of the next five is all I'm saying. See, I don't I don't think anyone's arguing with you there. It's 
The problem is if we even make it to the playoffs at the end of all of this, do we stand a chance playing playing these playoff teams? Like, yeah, we can go through and we can we can play the Giants, the Redskins, the Miami at the end of the season, win, get get to the playoffs like we want to. But at that point, do we even have a chance to go anywhere in the playoffs? That is a fair argument. And I think the beauty of football is it's just one game. You know, it's not a seven game series or anything like that, like it is in baseball and basketball. It's just one game. So, you know, if the Eagles can spur some momentum, if they can do some things at the end of the season, you know, having those five games of all wins, hopefully carrying that into the postseason, um, just momentum is a big thing. And if we get maybe a favorable matchup in the first round, you know, maybe even if we end up with a bye, if that's possible, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the Saints are looking pretty good. Obviously, the 49ers are still undefeated, but it's not out of the question. I sound crazy after what just <laughs> happened against Minnesota. <laughs> but <laughs> We're talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the playoffs in a bye week, and we just got, <laughs> we just got creamed by Minnesota. All I'm saying is a game can go either way, and momentum is an important thing in football. So if we can just win a game that we're not supposed to win or – you know, it's a tough matchup for us. That's even more momentum. And if you can just keep pushing that through, you know, it's a dangerous thing. And we could pretty much beat anybody at that point on any given day. Uh, yeah. I think I think you're definitely right. We saw it last season where this team kind of flipped a switch and made that run that no one thought we could make to end up getting in the playoffs. And it can happen. Like, we know that it can happen. It's happened with this team specifically. It's just... I don't know. This season so far to me has just been kind of a heartbreaker and disappointment, like one after another. It's, I don't know. I don't see that kind of that magic holding on to actually let us do that right now. Um, That's what I'm saying. Kelson, just, just hold on. Just give I'm, us some time. I'm trying, man. I'm trying, but <laughs> it's, it's still early. Not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And it's especially early with, Let's let's talk about the Cowboys a little bit. Let's you know let's let's lighten the mood a little bit. Sure. Yeah, Cowboys and Jets, fun game. Uh, yeah, to watch. Great game. Yeah, uh, great game. Unless you're a Cowboys fan. Uh, which saved they, us. Why are you listening to this podcast? But yeah, <laughs> interesting, interesting for you. Uh, I mean, great thing for us. Saved us uh, from not holding the top spot in the division anymore, or being tied for the top. And going down a game to the Cowboys. And the Jets, I don't know if it's Sam Darnold or what happened to the Cowboys, but, I mean, that was a really bad loss for Dallas. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it sets us up for a good opportunity to beat them, you know, uh, in Arlington this coming week. But, I mean, they give up some big plays on defense. There were two really big touchdowns that... uh uh, Sam Darnold had to Robbie Anderson and some other guy I've never heard of because he plays for the Jets. And man, if we could have Deshaun Jackson back, boy, I mean, he could be in for a huge week against Dallas if that's the kind of stuff that, you know, he's got lined up for him. Yeah. And I, I think something else that really helps us coming into this game is the injuries that Dallas has. So we've talked about ours. We obviously have our first share, but Dallas is kind of in the same boat. They're, they're sitting here possibly without Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb. Tyron Smith, Lael Collins, you know, the list kind of goes on and on. Um, you just, I don't know. I think that's really going to play in our favor if all of these guys or even just a few of them 
uh, end up not being able to play on Sunday. Yeah, a lot of them big defensive names. I think the biggest one you named for me personally is Amari Cooper, which oh. since we're talking about the cornerbacks and whatnot, obviously that's the biggest threat on offense for the for the Cowboys other than Ezekiel Elliott uh, and I guess Dak Prescott with his legs and his arm. But not having that target in Amari Cooper is huge. Yes. And, you know, then they're relying on Michael Gallup pretty much to carry the load and Jason Witten, who, you know, needs his walker just to get into the stadium. <laughs> so... Yeah, that that could be a really good thing for Philadelphia if Amari Cooper's not going to play. Yeah, I, I that would be amazing. And getting a win here in Arlington, I think, could be the spark that this team needs to to do the thing you've been talking about and actually make a run and get into the playoffs. It would be Dare one one Dare of I the say. two games. <laughs> one of the two games we need yes. if we can beat the Cowboys this week. So that would be fantastic. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think that is a possibility. Obviously, um, we'll we'll get into our predictions at the end of the podcast like we always do. Uh, just a little bit of news outside, I guess, of the game uh, last week and the game coming up this week. We've released Zach Brown. Um, kind of a surprising move to me. Uh, you know, I, I know he didn't play very well against the Vikings. I know he said those comments about Kirk Cousins before the game, and he just ended up snapping on us. So I don't know if that's like a statement thing. As to why, uh, as to why we got rid of him, um, I'm sure Doug Peterson got addressed about it. I didn't see his interview or anything, uh, but I know they asked um, Jim Schwartz, and he didn't really have a real answer. He said he should probably talk to Doug about it. It's uh, it's weird, and it's interesting considering Nigel Bradham's hurt. You know, like we've only got four linebackers on the depth chart now. Yeah, you have to wonder what what this move was about. Uh, I think. I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's the things he said about Kirk Cousins, uh, for one. And I read somewhere the most generic thing ever was he didn't fit in with what the Eagles were trying to do. Sure, whatever. Um, I don't know. I think there's just some sort of disconnect there. And I I do think it's a little bit about uh, making a statement of, you know, you don't you don't really need to say things like that. And I, I don't think the Eagles are pretty good at avoiding drama like that. You know, we're not that team that does that type of thing. So I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with it or what exactly it was. But I, I guess they have their reasons for for sending him out. Yeah, I've got an article here from NJ.com that's got Doug Peterson's press conference on why they released him. Um, it says, this is quoting Doug Peterson, we always do what we feel is the best interest of our football team. Um, I appreciate everything that Zach did for us. I think Jim alluded to the fact that we needed more production out of that group. And so we made the change. Um, I mean, nothing real revealing there. Uh, no, obviously didn't did bring up anything about Kirk cousins. I no, think, and I don't think they would. No, no. I, yeah, I, I guess they're just trying to shake things up and see what they can do with, um, uh, Grugier Hill, um, Nate Gary and, uh, you know, Riley and all those guys. And yeah, I mean, I mean, so, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Something's got to give, uh, someone, I don't know. And you have to wonder the thing that keeps coming back to me week after week is where is Fletcher Cox, man? Like <laughs> it's, he's just almost a non-factor and people keep saying like, I don't know. You keep seeing like the things about like, Oh, like he may not have stats, but he's producing in this and this way. But like, 
at the end of the day, he's not making the big plays that we're used to seeing him make, and it's it shows. Yeah, I think he's racking up tackles, but he's not. I don't think he's got a sack yet this year. Like he's yeah. supposed to be one of the best defensive tackles in football, and he's supposed to be the star player on this defense. And you're right, he just hasn't been that guy. No, I I think by far on the defensive line, especially our best player has been Brandon Graham. I agree. And um, man, where was a? I'm just looking at this now. Derek Barnett only one tackle today, or. Sunday. I keep saying today. Sunday. Pretty much of a non-factor, too. He's been playing pretty well until this one. Yeah, just... I don't know. It just seems like there's something off with that group, and I don't... Obviously, I'm not able to tell you what it is, but... Uh, so, returning back to the offense for a bit after, you know, we've harped on the defense here for quite a long time. Um, something... Miles Sanders has just become a huge... Uh, passing threat for us and if you look at sunday we see uh his average catch was uh 28 yards and his longest was 45 whereas you see like Alshon jeffrey averaging 7.6 yards per catch it may it's just like weird because like they're not using Alshon, i don't know in the way that like he used to be used where like he would go up and he would fight people for balls down the field and i don't i don't know where that's where that kind of I don't know, element of his play has kind of gone. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he's he's been a consistent target. You know, having 10 catches out of the 26 that were completed is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but you're right. I would like to see him instead of getting little three, four-yard catches. Although, I guess he's averaging... I mean, 7.6 isn't terrible. You it's know, terrible, but it's like... We're not... like We're seeing like Nelson Aguilar be our, our primary deep threat if you want to call him that right now yeah and um, it doesn't help that we're missing I think deshaun Jeffrey jackson could uh, yeah we yeah we're well aware that deshaun jackson being on is killing killing the wide receiver core but i think jeffrey should be the one stepping up and taking some more of these you know 20 yard passes over i don't know some of these other players just I, just my thoughts anyway yeah i think the only problem is it just takes jeffrey longer to, to get down that far down the field. Yeah. Takes sure. Nelson Aguilar. Sure. But I and trust him to actually go up and get a ball. I do too. I don't trust uh, Aguilar right now to turn his head around and look at the ball. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping as soon as this week, if we get Sean Jackson back, that's going to be a non-factor because yeah. it's obvious who's going to be getting the balls that deep down the field. And it, I don't, it, Alshon Jeffrey's never really been the guy to run a fly route and catch a pass. Anyway, he's more of a, a route runner and go up and get the ball, like you said. Uh, but having that on a single coverage on the left side, why Jackson's running a fly route and being double covered on the right side is a fantastic thing to have. And I think if you see Jeffrey, you know, make one guy miss, I mean, he's going to run a 45 yard touchdown. No problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I want to see Alshon run fly routes on the side and try and beat, beat anybody. I just, I want to see him get more of the 15, 20 yard looks rather than the little let's flip it out to the outside on the screen pass or a little five yard here, five yard there. Like I want to see him get looks a little bit further down the field. I'm not saying he needs to be trying to beat a corner on the outside to get the end zone. I just think he could be a little bit more of a threat. I don't know that might that this may just be me. Yeah. I, I mean, 
Yeah. Let's let's hope when Deshaun Jackson comes back, this just opens up the field a little bit more. I know. I, know. I mean, That's we can the answer go. To everything. It's the answer to everything. Yeah. Look, it's all we can really tell ourselves, right? Like, yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's one obvious piece missing, so maybe that will complete the whole puzzle if he's back. Sure. I mean, even Zach Ertz is. It seems like four catches and 54 yards is a very reoccurring thing for him. You know, I he's. You want to talk about an underperformer? He's probably been the worst of them all. As far as, uh, you know, what his potential was up to this point, being, you know, quotation marks, Carson Wentz's favorite receiver. Yeah. I don't think he's led in receptions all year long. Yeah, I don't think he has either. Um, on Sunday, four catches on nine targets and then the big fumble. Just he had his first touchdown the week before that. Yeah, yeah, he's very much not been the biggest part of this offense. And I don't know if. Deshaun Jackson helps that or not. I don't want to keep saying, oh, it's just because we're on Deshaun Jackson. But it definitely will help having Deshaun Jackson. That's all I'll say. No, I mean, no one can deny that or, you know, uh, dispute that. It's just for right now, we need to be solving the problems that we currently have, I guess. Yeah, and one one problem I I don't think we have is a quarterback problem. I agree with you. Yeah, and I've you know, I, I've said this before. When a team is underperforming, there's two people that always get blamed. It's the head, head coach, coach and it's and the, the quarterback. quarterback. Yes, every time. That is a reoccurring thing. Or offensive coordinator. Okay, Kelson. Three things <laughs> just right, for sorry. you. <laughs> but the quarterback, and it's been, you know, I've heard it on first take. I've heard it uh, on the internet. I've seen it on ESPN that, you know, the Eagles aren't going anywhere with Carson Wentz. And it's probably the same people that said, oh, why would they keep Carson Wentz when Nick Foles won you a Super Bowl? What are you doing? Uh, man, Carson Wentz has played great. And I I would like to see you come up with stats that say otherwise. I mean, you just got to watch a game and see this guy run out of the pocket when he's under pressure, make throws that nobody else in this league can make, and keep throwing for over 300 yards every single game. And tell me how it's his fault. It it doesn't make any sense. I think my biggest complaint about Carson Wentz in this game specifically, he was only 26 of 40. You know, that's not a very good completion percentage. I'd like to see that go up. But he threw three over 300 yards. He had two touchdowns and he had an interception when the game was already over. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me why you blame the quarterback when it's clearly the cornerbacks that are the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to come out and try and keep yourself wanting to I don't know. It's hard to come out when you already feel defeated. And if your defense can't keep up with Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs, I don't know. Like, that's got to be incredibly frustrating. You saw Carson throw his helmet down at one point during the game. I mean, and plus you have to look at his weapons that he has here on offense. Like, they're, once again, the the secret formula, we are missing Deshaun Jackson. (laughs) We are missing Deshaun Jackson. That is just the mantra right now. It's it's just, I don't know. It's really taking a toll on on him. And I, I truly don't understand how anyone can watch any of these games and say, oh, Carson Wentz is clearly the problem. No, Carson Wentz is not the problem. It's the defense for making him have to play from behind all the time. I don't know. It's If you're saying Carson Wentz is the problem, then I don't think you're actually watching these football games. I think if you put anybody else under the Eagles center, not named Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, the Eagles probably sit exactly where they're sitting right now. 
Like, it, it's not a quarterback problem, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are just, they're game changers. They're the two best quarterbacks in the league right now, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other dispute for another day. Sure. Uh, so I think we're, we're closing in on the end of the podcast here. And you know what that means? I think it's prediction time, Kelson. All right. I'll, I'll go first here. Um, so obviously I'm banking, I'm banking on some Cowboys injuries. Uh, sounds kind of fucked up. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm banking on some Cowboys injuries cause we have them on our side too. Um, I don't think I can count on Deshaun being back this week. It doesn't, it doesn't seem set in stone enough for me to put that into the into the cards. But here's what I do think. I think the Cowboys are realizing that they played a lot of good teams at the beginning of the season and now have to play good ones and play better. I think we're seeing that the Cowboys defense can be taken advantage of. Uh, people are scoring points on them. Uh, you see Aaron Jones uh, kind of ripping apart. Uh, the Cowboys a few weeks ago. So you have to hope that Miles Sanders can kind of do the same thing. Um, I look at this, but then you look at our defensive side of the ball and you have to wonder how well can we contain, you know, the weapons that the Cowboys will have on the field. So I, I've been thinking about this. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, My prediction going to this Eagles will win. Every time we said that, I've been wrong. But here we go. Eagles will win, twenty-one to twenty. Twenty-one to twenty. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like I like the prediction of an Eagles win because I'm an Eagles fan. So, sure. um, yeah, I, injuries on both sides of this are going to play a big part as to who's going to play, who isn't. Sounds like if Jalen Mills plays for us, it's going to be on a minimal role, uh, on a counter, if you will. He's going to have a set amount of plays. Um, Darby, he's been limited in practice. Maybe he comes back on, you know, we've already been through the injuries on the Cowboys side with all the defensive guys and Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper being the biggest one. This is a game between two teams that are underperforming, in my opinion. They're two teams that everybody thought were going to be really good. And they're both at a crossroads now. And they just happen to meet in Arlington, Texas against each other. And whoever wins is obviously going to be taking control of this division in a one-game lead. Uh, Whoever wins is going to have to find something else. You know, they need to find the recipe of how they're going to beat the other team, (laughs) obviously. Um, I think that Dak Prescott could have a big game against the Eagles. Yeah. And if Amari Cooper plays, it's going to be a very big game against the Eagles. I worry a little bit about Tavon Austin even and Michael Gallup, two guys that can just run past Razul Douglas. Um, I could run past Razul Douglas. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> a snail at this point could probably run past Razul Douglas. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a close game. I think 21-20 is a pretty good guess. Um, I have 24-17 in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh, okay. <laughs> did I have you nervous there for a second? You did. You always do. 
Yeah, I I don't want to face the backlash if I pick the Cowboys and lose. God, yeah, <laughs> and they this win. Is, this is one game you you got to go Philly side, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean we haven't had a ton of success against the Cowboys, but hey, you got to have a first time for everything. And if we can get a win against the Cowboys, my goodness, having that game lead uh, in the division is great. You know, winning uh, Collins picks one of two games in the next five is great. So let's go do it. Yeah, man. If we can beat the Packers, we can beat the Cowboys is truly what I keep coming back to. That is true. Just don't think about if we lost to Atlanta, we can lose to Dallas. Yeah, we don't We need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, going to do it for us here on the Philly Special Podcast. Um, feel free to reach out to us, as always, on social media, um, at the Philly Special Podcast, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um yeah, uh, Colin, you got any final thoughts? No, sir. Fly Eagles fly. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be watching the Cowboys game here on Sunday and be back to talk to you about it a little more next week. Uh, until then, as always, uh, have a good one.